Welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. Me and the rest of the Stand Up Tragedy team are currently up in Edinburgh doing an hour of tragedy at the Banshee Labyrinth every day till the 24th of August. We've got a different lineup every night, so spread the word and come along and experience some tragedy with us. Spread the tragedy, spread the word. The tragedy is happening and you shouldn't miss it because it's really great. Today's episode is three performers that performed in one of our shows. I was so blessed and pleased to be hearing these three performers perform in this way. When you run a mixed bill lineup, you expect changes in tone. You expect each performer to take us to a different place. Sometimes that happens and that's really great. But sometimes those performers feed off each other, kind of fit together so perfectly. And so Bay Roberts, Tamakatan and Sophia Walker, they followed each other and fitted together so perfectly that I just thought this has to be an episode all of itself with just those three. The three performances that you're going to hear just have a beautiful kind of through line and themes that connect each performance and I will stop bigging it up now because you can listen to it and you're going to listen to it now. So sit back, prepare yourself for some darkness, prepare yourself for some complicated themes but also prepare yourself for three brilliant performers creating challenging and moving at work so prepare yourself for today's tragedy hello everybody and welcome to stand up tragedy my name's dave and i'm your host now what we do here at stand up tragedy is uh, we invite people to come up on this stage and stand up and do some tragedy it's a mixed bill show so we're going to be having uh, comedians spoken word artists storytellers tonight uh, some nights we'll have musicians and all sorts of things and uh, they're going to be standing up and giving you something that they feel resonates with the idea of tragedy what we say is we like to make our audiences cry until they laugh and laugh until they cry so we're going to have the whole kind of the whole gamut of emotions in this room and uh, something I should say as well is that uh, as, as it is a tragedy show uh, be prepared for dark places to come up you know uh, in life you can you can walk down the street and something terrible can happen to you uh, but you don't know when it'll happen and where well in this room we do know that there will be terrible things being discussed on the stage so we should be prepared for that uh, but that doesn't mean it's not a safe environment and a, an, an enjoyable show uh, it is both of those things so uh, it is also a podcast so you can uh, hear us on iTunes on Stitcher and uh, on SoundCloud and anywhere else really that podcasts hang out on the internet uh, you can hear us uh, we've already put our first podcast of the of the of the fringe out but there's loads of other uh, other shows to listen back to in our archives and we'll be putting out some more shows as the festival goes on without any further waffle we shall get on with the show so our first performer she is doing a show right in this room every day apart from wednesdays i think at 2 50 uh and the show is called other voices it's a spoken word cabaret uh of other voices the voices that we should hear in the mainstream but we don't uh, and so stand up tragedy very much support that show and try ourselves to program people uh who have other voices themselves on our stage although i have to say one night one one at least one day of the fringe i have been the patriarchy everyone was men and i'm very sorry for that but it's very hard when you're trying to book five people every night but anyway uh on that note welcome to the stage faye roberts Okay, so, hello. 
stand-up tragedy. You've changed since last year. It's all got a bit darker. How are you doing? You well? You feeling tragic? Scented? Well, nicely scented. I quite like that. It's very nice. Um, might take it to freshen my bed linen. This is the fringe. Everything needs... <laughs> it's going to need some freshening. Um, but that's, that's not the tragedy, um, really, is it? Um, this first thing I'm going to give you was inspired by Russian folklore. So we already know it's going to be a bit dark. Ladies and gentlemen, a little bit strange. Uh, the thing about Russian folklore is that if you want to make a change, head into the forest. The forest is the place between the plain and the mountain, the, the moment of transition, transformation, from youth to experience, from uh, alone to reunited, from innocence to wisdom, from quick to dead. If you're lucky and the ravens decide to help you, even reverse the process from dead to quick. And one of the most prevalent agents of change is Baba Yaga. Anyone here heard of Baba Yaga? Yes. Tell me about Baba Yaga. Hmm. That's the thing. There are so many different versions. Um, one of the things that changed was Baba Yaga, but the most um, yeah, the most obvious icon of her is her with her wild hair and her iron tooth, and she bounds around the countryside in a in a in a pestle, um, you know, propelled by a mortar and broom. This is this is quite weird shit. Um, let's face it, but it's Russian, so we're not judging. Um, it's fine. It's a different culture, but yeah. And the thing is, yes, she can be an agent of of terror. She can kidnap people. She can make that change from quick to dead or she can be the person who gifts you wisdom and the thing about Baba Yaga the, really the other standout thing is do you remember about her house yeah chicken feet yes absolutely it's a little cottage on chicken's feet um, and it always has its back to you so if you find Baba Yaga's house and you want it to turn round to you you need to say the right words there's a special rhyme to say it'll turn round and let you in and you'll change can begin and I thought in these tragic days I'm just going to keep using the word tragic to make sure that I've shooned all this in <laughs> seamless in these tragic days of, of deforestation and um, you know pollution and urbanization of things and there are stories about Baba Yaga being granted her own wish and moving on what happened to her house when the witch left and this, with apologies to people who do speak French, is called Pied-à-Terre. There's a house by the road where nobody goes. Its shingles are withered and so are its toes. It used to stride freely its cargo to tote, now it's stuck by the roadside where nobody goes. It's seen witches and princes and desperate bows, now dust lies in court over ragged old throws. How it used to perambulate, no one now knows. It's a lonely old lookout where nobody goes. Little house, little house, turn round to me. Let the sun on your windows, the whole world to see. The heroes would seek it, but peasants would flee. Now it camps out in scrubland and pines for the trees. Its mistress is long gone, which just goes to show that you shouldn't turn round on the word of heroes. Its magic ambitions are covered in mould, and all it can do now is stare at the road. She saw that old house. 
as they northbound flew by, felt its predicament, wanted to cry that its power, no concrete could heedlessly bind if it just changed the word that had stored in its mind. Little house, little house, turn round to see that there's nobody stopping me, least of all me. With my mistresses gone and no princes to flee, little self, please believe me, I'm perfectly free. There's a patch by the road where nobody goes, with a flattened-out square bit and marks of huge toes. One day its old tenant creaked, rocked, groaned, and rose to stride off to a future that everyone knows. Thank you very much. <laughs> Having appropriated someone else's culture, I thought I'd give you this. Very new. Um... A friend of mine works for ITN, and she is uh, one of the media coordinators there, and she is receiving a lot of images at the moment. And uh, the, first, the first line of this poem uh, comes from Jude Cowan Montague, because this is what she found herself saying. What must they think of us? Hands up, wailing, caught between arguments that mean nothing to our day-to-day. Bodies spin in dust and blood, throats roar, mouths stretched to silent screams, exhausted by tragedy. Pick up the pieces, stretch out hands to those too far gone to see them, heads sunk to heaving chests, get on with another day in hell. What must they think of us? Hands up, wailing, baffled by arguments that mean nothing to our day today. Heads spin at images of dust and blood, clenched jaws stretched to silent yawns, exhausted by tragedy. Click on the pieces, stretched to electronic pats for those too far away to be real. Heads sunk to comfortable navels. Get on with another day in heaven. It's always, uh, it's always interesting doing uh, stand-up tragedy because everyone's a bit, well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I meant to clap, but oh. So, yeah, as uh, everyone else is doing, I'm appalled by what's happening in Gaza, and that's, I guess that's a way of expressing it. What next, though, huh? So, difficult questions. I thought I'd ask you some difficult questions. Here's an easy question. Who wants a flyer? Free. Hey, they're free. Um... My show, which is here at 2.50 every day except Wednesdays, this is my day off, so I thought I'd come perform. Um, uh, it shouldn't need to happen. We shouldn't need to have a show that says, oh, here are the other voices, the people you're not hearing. We should be hearing everyone. But since we're not, you should come and enjoy some fantastic spoken word from some of the best artists on the scene. They all just happen not to be white, heterosexual, cis, male, able-bodied people. That's all. That's the only difference. Um, one more for you, I think. A bit of personal tragedy. I tried to write this poem a few years ago, and it got stuck in production. Wow, you t- I take my hat off, and now I can't see anyone because of the light. <laughs> um, this, is why, this is why he keeps the hat on. Um, oh, hello. Um, this was written, and it took me three months to finish. And I was still kind of swithering about it, and I didn't have the ovaries 
to get on with it and get over myself and finish this poem. And then I went to someone else's poetry gig back in Milton Keynes and um, the headline act, who I will not name, said something so extraordinarily chauvinist from his own point of view that I thought, oh, dude, this poem is getting finished. And uh, it got to the interval, and I'm, I'm grabbing bits of paper and bar mats and all the rest of it, and people haven't seen me for a while, and saying, how are you doing? And I went, I'm great, quoting a poem! <laughs> Scrabbling to make this finish, and it was a bit scrappy, but it finished, and it worked. And this is the slightly trimmed, less scrappy, actually memorised version. And it's for him, and for anyone else who thinks like this, because sometimes, I mean, sure, it gets better, but Problems don't necessarily come from the direction you think they do. This is for those who chose to suppose that because my clothes weren't hard enough, my hair not sharp enough, I wasn't worth knowing. This is for them with it etched on, indelible yelling so that everyone can tell, giving the unmarked hell. This is for the ones with the sneers and the hair raised short above the ears and the jeers and the what are you doing here? This is for queers. This is for the girls with it written wide and bright. I love women, but only those that look like guys. Forcing a younger me to flatten my lines, narrow my eyes, disguise my femininity, right? Flee push-up bras and skulking bars with boys who like boys. And lots of noise. Poised and pouting, pushing me into the path of gay girls scared of my hair. And straight girls, scared of my stare, both glaring, the latter with their eyes on the noisy boys, watching them grind, mine tight around notions of conversion, shunning my perversion. Hmm. This is for two friends. Patience and time. And others too real to name. Boys who like boys but not too much noise, and who love me but not as their pet, letting me sob on their sofa or skipping me down the street. For the entreaties of friends who mattered, therefore didn't mind the profile of putative partners, only that they were kind. And this is for those women who looked beyond my stare and saw me brimming with the need to care, bare to the bone, almost poisoned with the importance of it all, and who let me fall, submerge, be buoyed up in their arms. And yes, there was harm, but softened in these waters I came to this shape. And okay, I still can't play pool, and I look crap in plaid, but I'm glad to be stood here happily between two worlds, dressed only in my own colours. Thank you very much. I have some very cheap merchandise if you would like to purchase it. Otherwise, just ask me about shows and I'll tell you. Have a fantastic night, guys. Faye Roberts, everybody. Fantastic. Right, so our next performer, he's doing a show called American Roadshow at Just the Tonic at the Caves at 11.20 uh, every night. Uh, so put your hands together, everybody, for Tama Kachan! Thanks, Dave. That was such a dramatic intro. Sorry for the American accent. I know I sound like people you hate. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to think that I looked the way that I look. Like, uh, I'm heavily tattooed. Uh, I used to work out really heavily, and I used to do a lot of drugs. And I used to think that I looked that way because I love punk rock, and I grew up in a tough neighborhood. 
But uh, when I got older, I started being honest with myself. And I think I, I look this way because I grew up in a violent household. Um, like my dad was a bad combination. He was an ex-boxer and an alcoholic who had PTSD from the war. But they didn't know what it was back then. They just said, hey, there goes Muhammad, the guy that chokes his kid in the supermarket. You know what I mean? That's a joke part. It's OK. It's all right. He's dead. I'm alive. I win. I told you they'd like that joke, Dad. I always do that wrong, you guys. I told you they'd like that joke, Dad. <laughs> so uh, I was going to talk about that. That's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. But the word tragedy uh, has become eclipsed with Gaza. Um, and there's something unusual about my background. Um, I have a Muslim father and a Jewish mother. And so I grew up in a weird way. And uh, a lot of people have been asking me, what's your perspective? What do you think about what's happening in Gaza? And uh, one of the things that's happened to me growing up is I've always been an outsider. And now I realize that sometimes the view from the outside is nice. The, the view of the outsider's viewpoint is kind of nicer. Like I lived in New York for a long time and I always thought Jersey was a shitty place to live until I looked outside of my friend's window and realized he had a view of New York. I was looking at Jersey. <laughs> so it's nice to be the outsider sometimes. So um, if you guys will allow me to, I, I'm a stand-up comic normally, so I've got to put some training wheels on for a little bit. Um, so when I thought of tragedy, I, I thought of Gaza and I'm going to use my book if you guys don't mind. Uh, just don't tell anybody I used a book, okay? Um, so when people ask me, this, let me, I want to explain one other thing first, is that I, I don't blame my dad anymore. Uh, I look at what happened to my dad as like a vampire bit my dad, and then he turned into a vampire, and then he bit me, and now I have to try to not be a vampire. So I have to be like one of the vampires on Twilight. <laughs> yeah, I can still have a girlfriend. <laughs> You know, I'm twinkly in the sunlight, you know what I mean? So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But uh, I've been single for a very long time, and I think that's, that's a big part of the reason. So when people ask me about Gaza, um, it's, it's strange for me when people say, what's your opinion? My opinion is that it's fucking horrible. And I don't have the luxury of taking a side. And I use that word luxury very specifically. I don't have that luxury. I can't pick one side and go, all those people are wrong. I can't pick this side and say, all those people are wrong. I, I, I have to listen to both sides. And here's my conclusion. They're both fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, they're both total liars. They're both manipulators. They've both been lying to us for 3,000 years. And what we're trying to do is, hey, let's figure out which of these two drug addicts having a fight is right. <laughs> right? They're both wrong. They're, they're both using violence the way drug addicts use drugs. They use drugs to cover pain. They're both people, displaced people that are in pain, and they use violence to numb themselves the way I used to use cocaine. So there is no answer to the question of which drug addict is right. Both drug addicts are liars, and they're both addicted to violence. So we shouldn't pick a side. We should pick the side of peace. So fuck them both. Um, uh, okay. Okay, good. Uh, now, here's the other fucking thing. Here's the other fucking thing that's nice about never having a sense of identity. Like, I, my background when I was growing up, I, when I went to university, I studied social psychology. And uh, this one sentence haunts me. Just the, the number one human drive is the drive to belong. And I've never been, I'm worse than a black sheep. I'm a gray sheep. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't even fit in with the black sheep. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so for me, like whenever I hear these notions of identity, uh, all I can think of is like the only thing that science and religion agree upon is that we all come from the same two shitty parents. Adam and Eve sucked. I would love to see those two on Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All this for an apple? Are you kidding me? 
You know what I mean? So that, that everything else is fiction. No matter what you believe in, whether it's science or religion or whatever religion you believe in, the only thing we all know is we all came from two people. So we're exactly the same people. But everybody wants us to believe that we're different, especially governments and brands. Because if we all think we're the same, if we all think it's cool to be like everybody else, we don't spend money. I'm not going to spend money to buy cologne to smell different. I'm not going to spend money to buy a car to look cooler. I'm not going to pay taxes to a government to protect me in a different way because I'm just like everybody else. But being just like everybody else is a not-for-profit business, right? So all this shit is fiction. I, I said this in America one time at a comedy club in Texas. This guy yelled out, God bless America. And I said, you know what God would say if you said that? He'd say, what's America? <laughs> and I'm like, good job. You just confused Christ. And then the bouncer comes up to me and said, let me walk you to the car. <laughs> You're in Texas. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the thing. I keep going back to this, this notion that we're all the same and everything else is fiction. We're all the same. And I see it. It's, I, I think it goes back farther than racism. It's not racism. It goes back to tribalism, right? And you see it in sports. And guys won't like this, but I think sports is a major problem. Because people in England are like, look at those crazy Middle Eastern people trying to kill each other. Really? Because I saw a guy who loves Manchester United beat the shit out of a guy who loves Liverpool. And they look exactly the same, right? But he wants to feel special. If he's going to be a winner, somebody's got to be a loser, right? And that, that's, we've got this violence and this anger and the easy answer is to beat somebody else up. And so I don't, I don't think that it, this is just about the Middle East. I think the Middle East is, is to humanity what the tar pits are to dinosaurs. This is where we start and end. Do you know what I mean? And it's not like these are two people having a fight at a bar that we could turn our heads away from. These are two people having a gunfight on an airplane that we're on. And we've got a right to say, hey, assholes, cut it out. Do you know what I mean? Okay, good. Uh, and uh, here's the other thing that's kind of weird to me is a lot of people keep saying, this is America's fault. This is America's fault. And, and I agree. But I don't think it's because of the funding of the weapons and, and all the other shit. I think it's because of capitalism and because of brands and because of all the other. It's violent capitalism. Let's make up a new phrase, right? That's what it is. Because have you ever noticed that every program that's on TV that's sponsored by advertisers is all about people losing? And every commercial is all about people winning? Every Jeremy Kyle, like Maury Povich, Jerry, Jerry, what's his fucking name? Jerry Springer, right? All these different programs are all different types of rain, and every commercial is a different type of umbrella, right? If you want to see a story about somebody winning, you can do that. You got to go to a movie theater. You got to pay for that, right? But everything on TV is about losing. Everything on TV is about making us feel like we're not good enough unless we buy, the, you know, this product or that product. And that's why we're not. That's why we all think we're so different. We're not. We're not fucking different. We're the same. Uh, okay, good. So far, so good. All right. Uh, okay, and here's the other strange thing, right? Everybody, I, I saw this on a Facebook status update the other day. Somebody says, it seems like the world is just exploding all around us. It's not just Israel and, God, and, and, and Palestine. It's Libya and Syria and all the other, other places around the Middle East. But here's the way I think of it. I think because of this rampant consumerism that we're on, we glamorize young people, right? And young people suck at life, let's be honest, right? It's not their fault. They're beginners, Beginners suck at things. That's the definition of beginner. But, be, but young people are the best consumers because they last forever. If you go up to an old guy and say, if you buy this mayonnaise, it makes you cool, he'll say, fuck you. Right? But young people are like, yes, miracle whip. <laughs> right? But if we were all still in tribes right now, the life stage that young people would be in is that guys would be going out and killing things and women would be going out and fucking things. 
right? And if you look at the most popular programs on TV right now, it's mixed martial arts, UFC, the worst of masculinity, and the real housewives of blank, the worst of femininity, violent liars. Who are we electing? Violent liars, right? All thinking is associative. So if there's a bunch of ideas coming in our heads and everything we see on TV, all the people that we, we glamorize are all violent liars. It's not that big of a surprise that the people we're electing are violent liars. It's not that big of a surprise that there are wars all over the fucking place. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it all comes from the shit that's on our, on our TV sets. Um, okay, and then here's the other thing that drives me bananas. Is, uh, isn't it weird that we... Uh, it seems like we have more access to intelligence but we're stupider than ever. Isn't that, doesn't that feel right that we are more and more stupid than we've ever been? But we have so much access to intelligence. And here's what I think. I think it's because the most underrepresented group where we find our intelligence is old people. Old people are not online, but that's where we're going to get all of our intelligence now. So we have a lot of intelligence, but no wisdom. Google replaced grandpa. And that sucks, because Google doesn't care about us, but Grandpa did. Grandpa had wisdom. Google doesn't have wisdom. And it sucks, because there are old people all around us. But in Western society, because old people are such bad consumers, they're just ghosts. They're invisible, and they're waiting to die. So we're so shitty. We're like as stupid as a guy that's starving to death inside a locked supermarket. Like, there's sustenance all around us. There's old people all around us that we can, we can ask for help. But we, but we don't, for some reason. We don't because they're not cool. They're not hip. Young people are the people to listen to. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Do you know what I mean? So when I go back to the question of like, what, what side am I on? Uh, I'm on the side of peace. I'm on the side of no more war. I'm on the side of making violence as unfashionable as corduroy bell bottoms. You know what I mean? Why, do we, why is violence so hip? Like, why can't we be as outraged about violence as we are about gluten? <laughs> right? I wish violence made us chubby, because then we'd, none of us would do it. Violence is fattening. We'd all be like, fuck that. <laughs> and we'd avoid fat people. Like, they'd be really violent people. But fat people aren't. That's just a weird analogy. But so I'm on, I'm on the side of peace. And I'm on the side of, of stopping violence being such a cool thing. You know what I mean? And I'm on the side of justice not being waived for, for, for all the dead children. They're dead. Fuck it. I know that sounds cold. Fuck it. They're dead. You know, what about the living children? Let's wave the flag for the kids that are still alive. And, and fuck the people that are dead. Because if all we keep doing is looking for justice for the dead, we're just going to spin. We're just going to spin. And it's been 3,000 years that these fucking assholes have been lying to us. And the reality is they're both racist and they're both criminals. And we have a right to say something because they are us. They're not different than us. They're not Middle Eastern. They're not Israeli. They're not Palestinian. They're our brothers and sisters that came from the same two shitty parents. And that's it. Thanks, guys. Tamakatan, everybody. In a weird situation there, where I was thinking, like, how do you, how do you, how do you stop somebody uh, when they're making a really good point because they are slightly going over time? So that's okay. Uh, that's okay. So. Uh, Myself there by not having my clipboard. So our next performer, she is doing a show in this very room at 1.40 every day. It is a really excellent show. It's called Can't Care, Won't Care. She is also doing another show called Around the World in Eight Mistakes, which is not yet happening, but it will be happening Saturday at 5.30. 5.30. 
in the pilgrim for the rest of the month. So put your hands together for Sophia Walker! some shit but like honestly that was the best thing I've experienced in the fringe so far. <laughs> so that was fantastic. So um I've just gone I've gone off on one in my head so we're gonna go we're gonna go with it. Um I I lived in a war zone for a while. I um I lived in Uganda right in the north during the heart of that war and um I did a, an interview for a podcast recently actually with, with Dave and we were talking about war and the thing that I think people don't realise in this day and age is that Everything you were taught in history class about what war's like is wrong. Forget fronts. There are no fronts. They're not, it's not like you go to a certain place and it's all in a line and suddenly there's the war. It's pockets and they roll and they're all over the place. And this is what's going on in Syria. It's, it's modern warfare. And what you need is local intelligence networks and you need to flee. And you can track where the war's been across an area because you'll be driving through a country We'd pass miles and miles of refugee camps and then we'd start to see villages that had just been completely abandoned. And then the next village we'd burn to the ground and there'd be ashes still smoking and there'd be gunfire in the background and that's the popular wall. And, and you start to learn how to read the ground to know how close you're approaching to a pocket. And, and we just, we have this bullshit saving private riot idea of what it's like and uh, we're really misinformed. The war surrounds this place. Stages night raids on boarding school gates, forcing soldiers of the underage to swell the ranks of the LRF. Round here, fireworks are weapons grade, ordnance displays augur the end of day. While the rest of us would tremble, quake, these residents resist with dancing dismay. There is no artist who can capture the artistry of these swiftly moving feet, the dancing in the street, two-stepping to the other side of fear. There is music everywhere. Six men play a 21-foot xylophone. The generator powers a radio. Life in these streets bubbles on overflow. Their response to guns is to dance. Tango, rambon, blast, twirl and sway past dud grenades till their rhythm of resistance makes child's play of war games. They will trace the cadence of liberation in loose movement of body over music, using djembes to drown out the sound of war drums till each day becomes a party. Each beating of feet raising two fingers to meet the violence. Nightmare. Fear can be a choice you make. Resistance is a mental state, and this place will never capitulate. Because when the new day breaks, those left begin dancing. You also spoke about difference, and um, we both have careers that involve touring around a lot. I'm a, I'm a poet, I tour around the world, and yeah, we're a lot more similar than we realise as people, but there is one difference that it takes some of us a while to learn, and uh, it wasn't until I started touring with a uh, black poet friend of mine that I realised quite how lucky I am to be white. My pale skin comes with unseen protection. If race was sold by car salesmen, white 
would be a factory standard preset for extra safety. This gift God gave me makes me the Volvo of human beings. But the cotton swaddled auto coddling afforded by paler pigmenting goes unnoticed by those who never had to pick cotton in the first I am graced with the privilege of this white face, firmly placing me as perpetrator, never victim of racism. Melanin-free skin gives me easy living in every one of this planet's cities. It is a permanently worn Kevlar vest, armor plating never laid to rest, better protection than being born in the West. Wanna give your kid the best chance at life? Um, yeah, don't applause for that. I hate that word. <laughs> it's called How's the World Still This Fucked Up? Depressingly, it is. Um, I have this book of poems. It is coming out. It will be on Water Science in October. That'll be 10 quid. This is free, same. I also have these flyers to my free show in this room. Please come. This is my last poem. I uh, got asked by Minds, the mental health charity, to uh, write a piece on the best pieces of advice I've ever been given in my life. And I urge you to think, just for yourself, what the best advice you've ever had is. Uh, this is called advice. When we were 15, Ellie Famutini wrote, If you're going through hell, keep going, on my bedroom wall. For three years, I stared at that sentence every day. I have read it on the insides of my eyelids every time I've shut my eyes ever since. On the one occasion I risked telling a therapist everything, he said, I don't know how you could. How do you keep going? At 15, Ellie Famutini was wiser than he. I never tried therapy again. Six years later, in a tent-strewn North Wales mud pit at 4am, a heroin-addicted ex-convict named Rich gifts me wisdom. He says, your parents are just meant to provide you with an example, so I have to thank my father he showed me exactly how not to be a dad. Rich is perceptive. He's comprehended it's all just perspective. Perspective is the tongue. How you choose to view things is deliberate. The day I graduated high school, the man I most look up to gave me a card which said always travel in the direction opposite to the talk. I have been stumbling through scrublands ever since. This relentless quest for the adventurous has inevitably exposed me to some harrowing things. Age 20, I saw an entire village massacred in the middle of the night. I did nothing. For nearly a decade, I felt guilty for my life. There was no greater disrespect I could have shown to the dead. Self-indulgently, I let myself rewrite history till it was all about me. I couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. How you choose to view things is deliberate. If you're going through hell, keep going. You never know when a slight perspective shift reveals an unexpected side effect. Thank you. Sophia Walker, everybody.
This podcast was put together by me with the sound recorded by the excellent Stephen Harvey and the music was by Samuel Wilkinson and George Brofton. Dry your eyes, it's time to go. It's time to go. go.